everybody, this is the Mad Fro Monroe podcast. We're doing episode two. I'm Chris. I'm here with Matt and Fro. I'm Fro. You might remember me from This Is Us. <laughs> Dead ringer. Dead ringer. Look just like that guy from This Is Us. I'm not that guy. I'm not that guy at all. Are you sure? I'm positive. It's okay. more like Stranger Things. Stranger Things. That guy died episode in, one. That guy died in like episode four. <laughs> I loved your work in the first episode. It was good for two minutes and 47 seconds. Thank you. <laughs> so what do we talk about today? Okay, so I think what we're going to talk about today is uh, Rocky Mountain Race Week 2.0 that they're doing. I believe all three of us independently are going. I believe so. Uh, it, we're, I, I went to Drag Week in 2014. 2014 Drag Week is actually the route that they're using for Rocky Mountain Race Week. I went to the first day in Tulsa for Drag Week. I'm going to go to the first day in Tulsa for Rocky Mountain Race Week. It looks like it's going to be a fun time. There's going to be a lot of a, a lot of guys there that you're going to want to meet, guys that you're going to want to talk to, and, and I, I need to buy new t-shirts. My closet's getting empty. So the other reason that we're talking about Rocky Mountain Race Week 2.0 this time around is it's it's a matter of trying to keep the hobby alive. Um, if you if you don't go and do car guy stuff, it's real easy to get distracted. Um, I just went last week to Mocan. My wife and my son have never been to a drag strip, let alone seen you know live fast cars my son's been to a drag strip he saw me run my challenger is terribly slow i'm not going to mention my et because i'm embarrassed by it but he'd never seen uh funny cars and so that was the thing is we i wanted them to experience what it's like to see the obsession live and we went and we watched some some a gas stuff some gassers we went and watched some junior dragsters which was pretty cool for my boy because he's you know nine so he's right there in that uh in that age group where they would run the junior dragsters and he thought that was super cool um we watched some of the older what they call the hot rod class whenever we went to mocan and um that stuff's all decently fast they were running the 660 foot we went and we and we saw the the funny cars and they were running 190 miles an hour in five seconds and and it's hard to put that in perspective for guys that aren't car guys. I tried to explain it to my wife and my son, and they, they still didn't get it. But the thing is, is when they leave the line, you can't breathe. And and that's what everybody that's been to a drag strip realizes. Um, if you're sitting at the start line whenever a, a top fueler or a funny car goes off, it's just a, a feeling like a, unlike any other. And you can see it on their face for a second. Like for one second, they can understand the obsession but then when you leave, you ask them, like, how cool was that? Like, and you're, like, gasoline coursing through your veins, ready to go work on something. And, and they're just looking at you like, yeah, I mean, it was okay. Because it leaves just that quick for them. Um, I worked in the automotive industry from 2010 to 2014 officially, getting a paycheck. And I left 24, in 2014 to go sell cell phones. And then after that, I went and sold insurance. And in that time frame, I completely lost the passion. And it's not, that I, it's not that the automotive desire wasn't there. It's just that I wasn't in it. 
and I didn't touch my car or my truck for that entire time that I was gone from 2014 until I came back in 17. And then since then I've been introduced to, you know, roadkill and roadkill garage, hot rod garage, all the stuff that we talk about on Motor Trend. And uh, I've met some cool people like Aaron Kaufman and uh, Leah Pruitt and some people that that are like super influential in the car world. And it's easier to stay a part of this industry if you're doing that stuff. And it's, it's not even a, a question of, of industry. It's a question of the, this is a, this is a hobby. This is a, you know, some people will call it a lifestyle. Some people will call it, some people will call it something more, but what it all comes down to is a lot of this is just a hobby. It's something that you enjoy. It's something that you like working on. It's something that you want to get in the garage and do, you know, there, there's, there's several different events that are actually going on in the, in the coming weekends around where we're at. So there's a lot of opportunities for you to actually get in there and, and go see something. So, you know, a lot of what that comes down to, a lot of what that comes down to is it's not just drag racing. It's not, it's not just getting out there and seeing an event. It's, it's actually getting out there and, and talking to people and hanging out with people, like-minded individuals. You know, the, there's, in, in my hometown, tomorrow they're going to have a, a cars and coffee type thing. They, they, everybody gets together. There's a, a small speed shop in my hometown. Everybody's going to get together. They're going to have donuts. They're going to have coffee. And, and it's a bunch of older hot rodders that are actually standing around talking about hot rod stuff, talking about car stuff. And not all of them are drag racers. Some of them are just car show guys. They want to go to a car show. You know, right now, there's just not a lot of options on the, on the whole car show front. So you, you find events that you can go to that, you, that, that can remind you what it is that you like about it. Coming up pretty soon, once again, in, in my hometown, pardon me, they're going to have a monster truck show. You know, that there's, if you go out and you watch a monster truck show and you can't get excited, you probably need to check your pulse. There, there's, there's some, so, so in my hometown there, there's, they have a tough truck competition. The tough truck competition, you can actually bring any car you want, go out there on the track and, and have fun and, and go over the jumps and stuff like that. I, I had a buddy talk me into doing it once and I was in a truck that was way overbuilt for, for me because my skill level was not where it needed to be. So I walked the track with one of the drivers. He pointed to a rock. He said, by the time you get to that rock, you need to be at full throttle. I followed his instructions to the T and there's a picture of me in that truck jumping over the finish line and you can see the flag man fully and clearly under the truck. Like you can look past the truck and see the flag man. So it's, after that, you, you have a story to tell. You have something that you can, you can tell to, to other guys to relate to what they're doing. I enjoy the four-wheel drive aspect of, of this hobby. 
I enjoyed going to the drag races. I enjoyed going to car shows. There, there's a lot of different ways that you can get into this. So it, it's, it's not a question of It's not a question of how do you get in the hobby. It's it's a question of just getting in there and doing it. It's it's you have to be able to take time, step away from whatever it is that's bothering you, go to a car show, go to go to a drag race, go to something like that. And that's the stuff that I missed when I was out of the industry. And I, the reason I I bring up the industry is because when you're in the automotive industry, it's so much easier to stay in contact. And I'm sure there's. I'm sure there's tons of people out there that, that are not working in automotive jobs that are still obsessed with it. And that's fantastic. And I, and I wish that I was able to do that. But when I wasn't in it, I just wasn't in it. I didn't go to the car shows. I didn't go to the drag strips. I didn't, go to, I didn't do anything. When I came back in 2017, I've been to two NASCAR races. I've been to I don't even know how many drag races and, you know, small little podunk uh, drag strips. Um, I've been to God knows how many cruise nights and car shows and one of my favorite events is in Springfield they do the NHRA uh, Memorial Day show every year and that's NSRA a, NSRA I'm sorry NSRA car show every year in Springfield and that's a fantastic show that's coming up soon yes and there's tons of vendors and it's easy to stay in it whenever it's being pumped into you um, I don't Matt has recently joined it. it well i mean see like when i was working the restaurant before getting into the automotive industry i had the c10 but i mean i had no idea where to go with it or anything like that so i was basically just driving it to work and home like i didn't have guys being like oh hey this is going on bring your truck or anything like that i mean but at the same time i made sure to park that truck certain friender at the restaurant and it got all kinds of attention. I did the same thing with my Harley when I had my Harley was because I didn't know which car shows to go to. So I got the attention that most people try to get at car shows at my job. And, and a lot of what, a lot of what drives you towards this, a lot of what drives me, drove me towards this. And this is, this is where I, I, I have my differences with you guys. I, I, there's a definite age gap between me and you guys. I grew up, I was born the year Smokey and the Bandit came out. Victor, he's telling the old jokes this time, not us. <laughs> I, I, I was born the year Smokey and the Bandit came out. So uh, I grew up in the 80s. You could turn on the TV Saturday morning and, and there was a Bigfoot monster truck cartoon that was on. You could switch the channel later on at night and watch... Knight Rider or Hardcastle and McCormick or Street Hawk or something like that. So Viper. There, there was always... Freaking Viper. There was always stuff on the TV that had to do with cars. And, you know, growing up in that time period, they had monster trucks on every Saturday. I, I can't even remember what it was called, like the TNT Power Hour or something. Yes, oh, yeah, the Power Hour, yep. yeah. Where they, they would actually, you could watch tractor pulls you could watch monster trucks you could watch and for the record tractor pulls is one of the coolest most unbelievable things you can ever go to if you've never been to a tractor pull find some podunk backwater dirt track that's still doing tractor pulls there's not very many of them but 
that is one of the most impressive things in the world. It really is. And if you if you watch, you know, being a being a, a kid at the time that I was watching tracticals, they used to do tracticals back in my hometown, and being there in person and seeing the diesel tractors as they were spooling up and seeing that giant plume of black smoke. That's a, that's a memory that sticks with you. And you know, you're, you're sitting up in the grandstands and that smoke is going to hit you in the face and you're going to smell like diesel fuel for the, for the rest of the day. But it's, it's one of those things that, that etches itself into your memory and, and you wind up looking back 20, 30 years later. I don't care what kind of hate rolling coal gets in today's market. You, no one ever forgets the first rig that was nice that they saw just bill and black smoke like it was a goddamn dragon. The other cool thing is at those uh, at those tractor pulls. One of the first memories that I have of something that's just like, good God, that's not something you build, is a four-engine big block rail car that's built to pull a sled all the way down the track. That that's unbelievable. Four engines. I don't even know how you put those together. So, touching on that, I was scrolling Facebook earlier, and I saw a sixty swept line that they put two Cummins under the hood with compound turbos on each engine. So it only weighs like twenty four thousand pounds on the front axle. I mean, I don't, I don't, I'm not saying it's reliable going down the road, but. <laughs> I'm kidding. I know they're not 12,000 pounds a piece. They might as well be. <laughs> but I mean, just people do crazy stuff. And that's what's fun about this, yeah. about this hobby is you're free to do, if you can weld it into place or just get it to run, you can do it. But that, but that's the, the bad thing about the death of print is, is used to, you can go to the the convenience store and buy a magazine the, any magazine you wanted yeah about any form of this hobby you wanted you want to buy a lowrider magazine they had lowrider magazines you want to buy hot rod they had hot rod car craft was for us cheap guys you know it, it's car and driver for the brand new stuff the stuff that's coming out nobody, might be cool. car nobody bought car and car driver. driver is awesome and you guys are jerks what I'm a done. nerd I'm out I'm kidding. So, you know, it's... I I grew up with magazines and, and cartoons and television shows that all revolved around cars and revolved around people who actually, who actually liked cars. And then as you got into the 90s, of course, I was that kid with the... With the poster of Lamborghini on the wall. And then it started getting into, into those cars, into the exotics and, and you lost some of some of the hot rod guys there and you still you still have those guys those guys are the, the those guys are the new muscle guys those guys are the hellcat guys and the corvette guys and and you know it's it's they're trying i'm gonna hurt some feelings with this they, they make the corvette look more european every year yes it looks like a Ferrari now. It, it does. Or a Fiero, but on steroids, maybe. But, I mean, they're going for that supercar look. And it's just the thing of it is, European cars, they have been doing the supercars for so long that no matter what you try to do to go towards that, it's going to look European. Either that or you're going to go GT40 look. 
Well, the funny thing is the Viper was somewhat of a supercar. I mean, it was the only American V V10 car, and it and it was it didn't handle well, so that's what made it American, I guess. It also had its own superhero show, and it was thirty feet long, and the hood was you know longer than than the Corvette was, so. It, it's it's a little different, but yeah, the Corvette. You're right. It's they're they're going super koopy. But to that point, when when they released it in '53, that was the plan was to compete with the sports car. It was the first American sports car back forever ago. Well, I mean, it's like the history of the Nova, the Duster, and like the A body and the and the smaller cars. They were made to compete with Japanese compacts and. Uh, Fiats and stuff like that. They were made to compete with the compact cars. The Italians, yeah. Yeah, the Italians and stuff like that. I mean, that's what they were built to compete with, but yet they were still super cool looking and super fun to drive. And and that's the thing with the Viper. The Viper actually made you think it was an American car when you looked at it. Right. You know, it it still somewhat looked like a Cobra. Mm -hmm. It it still looked American. Like you said, it handled bad. Who cares? Yeah, it's fast. It's fast, exactly. The Australians have been doing burnouts for years with <laughs> 3,000 horsepower and not near enough tire, and they're okay with it. I would like to say that the Australians have the best car culture on the planet because they don't care at all who's the fastest. They just care who can destroy the most tires. One of my favorite episodes of Roadkill, actually, is whenever Finnegan and Freiburger go down there and drive that Holden, the 727 cubic inches. Of oh, Andy. yeah. That thing is ridiculous, and it's awesome. So my favorite part of that episode is where they basically Steve Irwin a wrecked car that they find on the side of the road while they're driving. And it was like a Ford Escort or something. Yeah, it's like a Ford Escort, but they're like picking apart like, oh, what could have happened to it? <laughs> Crikey, it might bite us. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it's great. And yeah, no, you truly realize that all Australia is worried about is making sure they can see the cloud of smoke from their meetups from this international space station. <laughs> so kudos to you, Australia. <laughs> Way to go, guys. That, but that's that's kind of the thing with those guys, and that's kind of the thing with what you're talking about on, on that show. We still have a sense of humor about a lot of this stuff. You, you, you know, I, I'm not, by any means, a rat rod guy. Right. I, I don't see any sense in just welding brass knuckles wherever just because it fits. <laughs> see that stop sign hanging up over there? Take that down. We're going to make that a seat. <laughs> but but they do have a sense of humor about what they're building. And and that's a lot of what, what keeps, this, keeps this hobby the way that it is, is these guys still have a sense of humor about this. These guys are, are still having fun. And if you're not having fun, go do something else. You know, it's it's not... It's not something that's required, and it's not something that everybody likes. No. I mean, the car car scene is not for everybody. Like, there's people, they could just bought a car, and they don't even know what they're driving. They've already forgot the name. They just know it has four tires, and it starts when they turn the key. One of my best friends in the world drives a Toyota Camry. No. Yes. Corolla. Whichever one's cheaper. That's what he drives. Corolla. And I, and I don't care. It's a Corolla. Fantastic. And it's because he does not care. He wants to get to work as cheap as possible. And I love the guy to death. He's like a brother to me. Um, but 
but he doesn't get it. I took him for a ride in my Challenger when I first got it, and I was over the moon because it's not my dream car. My dream car is a 72 Street Challenger. They made like 58 of them. Yeah. I'm never going to own one in my life, and if I did, I would park it in a garage and wax it with a diaper and never drive it. I have a 15 Challenger with a Hemi in it, and it's an automatic, and it's like, it's an RT, it's a 5.7. It's not that cool, but to me, it is the car because that's what I grew up just wishing for was a Hemi Challenger. So I get it. I drive it up there to my best friend that we've been friends for forever, you know, 13, 15 years, half my life, been friends with this guy. And I drive it up there, and I'm like, dude, get in the, get in the passenger seat. We're going for a ride. I do a huge smoky burnout and we get takeoff and you know and I am like just over the moon about it and he's like that's ah, all right. So to your point, it's not for everybody because he'd rather have the Corolla than the Challenger and it doesn't make sense to me at all. You couldn't pay me to take a Corolla over my car. But we all we we all had that car. I had I had an '89 Pontiac Grand Am and if there was a straight panel on it, I don't know where it was. <laughs> This is the floor pan. I, I'm pretty sure I burned the tread off of four donut spares. <laughs> that thing Okay, so originally I'm from originally I'm from Pitcher, Oklahoma. Feel free to Google that, it doesn't exist anymore. Chat piles, great to sled on. But all all around Pitcher, Oklahoma were chat piles. And and for those of you who who have never seen a chat pile before, uh, they they lead mined in pitcher and the the rocks would get broken up into smaller rocks and then they they would get put in piles and those piles those tiny rocks were what was called gravel and there were just mountains of the stuff all around pitcher which turned out to be the demise of that town because every bit of it was laced with lead and we were all slowly dying and it was right next to to a river which was fantastic it's not far from it's it's, it's a creek a creek it's sorry a creek because it's northeast oklahoma so that that Grand Am, I, I would climb chat piles in that. I did not care about that car. I would love to see paddle tires on a Grand Am climbing, <laughs> climbing a chat I didn't pile. need them. But I, it would be cool. I would put that thing, I would drive that car wherever I wanted because you didn't care. Right. You could park that thing wherever you wanted because you didn't care. If somebody door dinged it, you would never know. Yeah. It was a terrible car. I loved it. I it's it's one of the one of the cars that sticks in in people's minds when they people that I haven't seen in in twenty years will still mention that Grand Am. Well, and it's funny that you bring that up because I think we talked about the uh, milkshake in the last episode, the Mighty Max. I've I've had it torn down for quite a while, doing an entire front end on it. I got new tires for it, and it actually looks pretty good with the new tires for. Uh, Mitsubishi Mighty Max, I suppose. And I've been driving my Challenger for the better part of a month, right? A month and a half. I don't know. It's been a long time since I got to drive my Mighty Max. And for two days in a row, I got to drive the, the truck to work and then back home. And the thing is an absolute turd. And it doesn't stick out at all. And nobody cares about it because it just blends into the scenery. But I have to tell you, I probably have more fun driving that truck than I have driving my car which is almost disappointing because it's somewhat my dream car. But at the same time, that truck, it, like you said, I don't care. I'll park next to the cart corral at Walmart 
And if it gets dented up, I don't care. And I get in my, when I go in my driveway, it's completely sideways every time because I don't care about that truck at all. And it's so much fun. It's a five speed truck, it's four wheel drive. It's terrible and it's awesome. That's the same thing with that 97 Ford F-150 I've got. If there's a panel on it that's that's not bent, it's rusty. <laughs> See, the, for there, me, there. it was my 98 Contour. Ford Contour. Oh, yeah, that was my Fantastic. first car. It was a 98 Ford Contour with a pleather top. <laughs> wow, first cars. Uh, first car was a 83 Oldsmobile Delta 88 four-door. And I had it three days before I was dri- I was leaving my mom and dad's house. Hadn't even made it. It was a half a block from my mom and dad's house. Math book falls out of the passenger side seat into the floorboard. And like an idiot, I reach for it. When I reach for it, I run off the road into this, into this three foot deep ditch that has a telephone pole in it. And I wind up swiping my rear fender on the telephone pole. Three days into having a driver's license and owning this car, I run it off in a ditch and I hit a telephone pole. The only positive side of that is that the other side of the car was already messed up, so now it matched. Now it matches. My first car, since we're on this, and I don't think either one of you know this, was a 1991 Mazda MX-6. And it was as straight as an arrow on the outside, but it was primer gray. The hood was flat white. And it had a sunroof, which means it was probably the nicest MX-6 ever made at that time. (laughs) It's a safe bet. And, And it leaked like you wouldn't believe. If you put it in reverse, Two days after it rained, you got a you got a shower. There were no door panels. You had to open the door with vice grips. Um, I'm pretty sure that it probably was not work, roadworthy at all. Um, Never it, stops it, any of us. It, it was it was a terrible, terrible, terrible car. But I did burnouts in it. I did handbrake drifts and donuts, and I did all kinds of stupid crap in that car. And uh, I sold it for the same money that I bought it for, which is unbelievable because it barely ran when I sold it. But uh, it probably barely ran when you got it. Now it actually ran pretty good when I got it. I it, you could you could do a third year scratch in it. Believe it or not, they did they did uh, a cold air intake and it had aftermarket injectors. Somebody that owned it cared about it before I bought it, which is saying something because nobody cares about any Mazda on the planet. And, uh, but it, it was, it was actually kind of cool for a 16 year old kid for a first car. I bought it with my own money, but me and my wife bought it. She's probably going to listen to this. I better give her some credit. We split our money and bought it. And, uh, she wasn't my wife at the time, obviously, but, um, anyway, we bought that thing. That's a commitment and, for a girlfriend right there. Yeah, it was, she's, that's how I knew she was a keeper. I gave 300 bucks. She gave 300 bucks. We bought a car and went on our first date. It was it was something. There's a story to be had there, but that'll happen later. Um, the car was junk. It didn't deserve to be on the road. I loved the thing until I sold it, and I I kind of wish that I had it back because it would be cool to to have that and not care about it and go drifting around the dirt roads and doing whatever I want to do in it. But you know, it is what it is. Every nobody has their first car. And if they do, then it's probably something really cool that they had the foresight to hang on to, and I'm kind of jealous of that. 
But see, kind of staying with that topic, kind of staying with the topic of, of your, your wife. I, uh, <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I just, my wife uh, pointed out some pictures to me earlier this week of our first date, and I had forgot that I, I took her four-wheeling. I, I borrowed my buddy Rory's Jeep. Classy. Borrowed Rory's Jeep. It was Oklahoma. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Get ready for the hate mail on that one. <laughs> so so I, I, I borrowed a Jeep. I, I went out and uh, met up with my uncle who was in town with his Jeep. And we went down below the dam in Disney, Oklahoma. And... There's a lot of, uh, of really fun trails down there. There's a lot of, of cool rocks to Disney's crawl around. A great Disney's place a great place to for four wheeling. Oh my goodness! Oh, yeah. like, nobody ever knows, knows about Disney, Oklahoma, unless they have manual locking hubs. <laughs> well, and and now you've got you've got the big meat run down there, and, and that brings out the guys with the the forty two inch tires, forty four inch tires. It, it, I actually have a good friend that goes down there every year with his. Uh, hand-built crawler he's a fabricator and it's pretty amazing but but i i so i i took my wife on uh on a date and we we went back in the trails and got stuck pulled the jeep out and there, there were there were problems with that jeep and i'm sure i'll talk about that at some point but it, it's it's things like that after we after we left and after we got back to the house and, and switched cars and and I took her back to her house. She had never been down there. She she had lived in that area her whole life. Her her family had had always had a house down there. And she'd never known that people went down below the dam to do anything. So you know it's it's Every time you introduce somebody to a new element, and, and that was me introducing my, my wife to four-wheeling, she was excited because she'd never done it before. <laughs> we get out there, and, and I may have pushed the Jeep a little far in some points, but there, there are certain things, there are certain embankments that you go up out there that you don't know what's on the other side until you get to the top of. And there's certain hills out there that even I don't want to go down. It's it's amazing to get out there as myself, but it's also amazing to get out there and introduce somebody else to that side of this hobby. So it's interesting that you bring up the 4 by 4 side of this hobby because that's a side that me and Matt both have talked about in the past. In fact, we talked about it at lunch today, and neither one of us cares at all all about off-roading mm -hmm. I, I i have the mighty max four-wheel drive truck i took it to a buddy shop because i was stuck on reassembling the front end that i said that i did earlier and uh i paid him to do it because i just don't care to figure it out like i got to that point and it's like you know i don't care um if if i was putting a mini spool on the, in the challenger or if i was building an engine that was going to make some sort of respectable power that might be something that I was interested in tackling or figuring out at some point, but uh, I, I understand to a degree the off-road uh, side of it, 
again, my one of my good friends is a uh, is a fabricator that builds uh, rock crawlers and bouncers and stuff like that. He's got a crawler that's actually unbelievable. Um, four wheel steer, big block powered, um, Rockwell axles, a bunch of stuff that I don't know anything about. This is really really cool. I've I've ridden in it. We've we've gone through some trenches and we've dog walked it down the streets of our of, of my hometown. And it is fun to a degree, but <laughs> this is going to be probably unpopular in the four-wheel drive community. But if I wanted to go slow and not go anywhere and overheat my vehicle, I could probably just sit in traffic in Bentonville, Arkansas, and call it good. But see, the the thing is, and the, the part that you're, the part that you have to introduce other people to, the part that you you have to use to get other people, and, and this is regardless of, of what hobby you're into, regardless of whether you're into drag racing or or what. I, I had a, a Jeep Cherokee that was lifted 33s and and I took my wife and son out and we ran the trails and and we get back to the an, an area they call the rock garden and I got out of the Jeep told my wife get in the driver's seat and if you ever want to test your marriage <laughs> Spot for your wife while four wheeling. Because you to test your marriage, you do anything car with your spouse. Right. If I lined my wife up at Mocan in my car, that would be like, you know what? I, if I was trying to find the beams, she'd probably roll through them. But but that that's my point. And and you you get into this and you you try to show other people why this why this interests me. Why is this one of those things that you want to go do? Why are you Why are you bringing me down to, to Disney, Oklahoma? So I put her in the driver's seat, and I'm spotting, and I, I pick a little rock pile that she can drive over. And this rock pile has a log on it. it it's there. There's some obstacles there, so I'm trying to show her how to approach each each obstacle so that she can. There's an angle to hit everything at, right? That'll make everything work in in the four-wheel drive arena. So <laughs> I'm trying to tell her, go forward, go forward, go forward. Why are you not going forward? So it, it, it became one of those things where it was almost an argument and I had to step back and think about this for a minute and kind of explain to her because as soon as the tire started to, started to come up and the truck got at an awkward angle, she was uncomfortable. She didn't want to do it anymore. Right. And that's what it comes down to. The, the, a lot of the reason some people aren't into four-wheel drive is because just that. You, you've gone through some trenches and you've dog-walked down the street and, and you've done some things that that are basic, ordinary, everyday things, but you've done them in, in an extraordinary vehicle. Yeah. So once you get out there and you watch what these guys are doing, it, you can watch videos all day long of people going up what they call Viagra at, uh, and there's a reason for that. <laughs> I figured that it's down. So, so Viagra is this big rock face and, and you, it's straight up and, and you have to drive up it and there's a certain technique to it and it's full throttle. You commit. You're either going up it or you're coming down in pieces. So it's situations like that that'll make you either love or hate this and it's the same thing like you're talking about with drag racing it's it's if you put somebody else 
in that position to show them what it is that interests you about it, they're going to learn what's complicated about it. They're going to learn what's problematic with this. Here's what you don't want to do. Here's what you do want to do. At the end of it, they're either going to love it or they're going to hate it. You know, my, my, every year my wife goes with me on Valentine's weekend to a, a car show in Tulsa. And, and it's a big indoor car show. And it has become a yearly tradition. Right. So she she gets where I'm coming from. She understands where I'm coming from. She She understands the level of interest that I have in this. I don't think there's there's any other way. Like, you can listen to these podcasts and you can watch videos all day long. You may just not be a car person. But if you are a car person and you are listening to this stuff and you are watching this stuff, you know, this is, this is the kind of thing that, that's going to have to be done to keep this hobby alive. The magazines are dead. They're, they're, they're just not making them anymore. So you, you can't well, I mean, go this out. past year alone, they canceled 36 different publications. Like, I know 95% of the Mopar magazines are gone forever. They're not even doing online print. Right. And that's, that's the point of keeping this hobby alive, is not only keeping it alive, and we started out with keeping it alive personally, right? Because we're talking about showing up at these things for yourself, but you have to show up with your family to keep it up for future generations. If... And I've tried. My son is not a car guy at all. I've tried. Yeah. You know, from from birth, I've tried to get him into it. I've tried to have him out working on vehicles with me. He doesn't care. That's fine. He's he's into animals. He he wants to be a zoologist. Fantastic. And you know, and I, and I'll nurture that. That's great because that's not something that anybody else is into. You know, that's that's a different thing. But to keep it alive. We have to keep going to the car shows. We have to keep going to SEMA. It's canceled this year. It is what it is. We have to keep going to Rocky Mountain Race Week 2.0. We have to keep going to the small little mom and, tr- and pop tracks. Because if you don't go to those, that's when it all folds. I mean, everybody's going to go to Daytona. Everybody's going to go to Talladega. Everybody's going to go to Bristol. Everybody's going to go to Lucas uh, Raceway. Everybody's going to go to Charlotte. Who's going to go to Mocam, which is where I like to go? It's a crappy little track that nobody can get any speed on because the, the lanes are uneven and they're bumpy and the slowdown's sketchy. And It is what it is, man. You get there and you have fun. You know, you get there and you line up and you run your own car and you run a terrible ET and you don't want to admit it on a podcast because it's, it's embarrassing. For the right price, I have the footage. <laughs> Matt was there, unfortunately, and he'll sell me out for like 20 bucks, probably. He sent that out to everybody. You don't have to pay for it. <laughs> that is true. I did post it on Instagram. <laughs> I but forgot. The, but, but the point is, is you, you, you have to go to these little tracks. Tulsa Raceway Park's going to make theirs because it's a big track, and everybody knows it. They do dozens of huge events every year if you don't go to the little tracks they're going to end up on the uh on the nbc peacock network 
talked about by Dale Earnhardt Jr. on the on the closed down, washed up tracks that have history. Um, I don't know if either one of you have watched it. There's a cool little documentary series that Junior did about the closed up raceways that have this history or that history. It starts out in Metrolina, obviously, because that's where his dad started racing. That's where Ralph Earnhardt raced. Um, it's pretty cool because it's history, but nobody's racing there anymore, and it's because nobody went. And and a lot of that, the getting getting away from NASCAR because I don't know anything about NASCAR. it's not about NASCAR. That's dirt track. That's roots, man. Everybody knows the roots. There's several places in 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 this area that that nobody goes to anymore. Thunder Valley was in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Route 66 was in Joplin, Missouri. Tons of people don't know about those, and if you're listening to the podcast, there's a good chance you don't know about those either. But uh, Miami still does the monster trucks and stuff like that. Miami. Miami, sorry. It's not in Florida. How it's dare in you? I know, I'm terrible. He made fun of me earlier for something else, and I was just trying to get back at him. The point is, is Miami doesn't, uh, Miami, Miami still has the, the monster trucks, and, and it's fun to go watch those. And Bentonville Fairgrounds is gonna has hosted the monster trucks the last couple couple weeks, and, and they did a good job with it. Like I drove by when they had it all set up, they didn't try to squeeze it in inside anywhere. They set it up in one of their bigger fields, and which they just is had all a time fine and great. But if we would have had if, if Fayetteville was still still open and they still had the dirt track down there, man, there's nothing that gets there's nothing that's better than a good old dirt track. There's nothing better than catching the dirt off the tires. It doesn't matter if you're in NASCAR or not. Oval track's awesome. Um, old school drag strips are cool. The 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 uh, tractor pulls are awesome. You know, you, you can get to those. That stuff happens on red dirt tracks across the country that people are going to in small towns. We have to keep the hobby alive, and you have to keep the hobby alive by going to your local stuff. This is true, but some of us don't care about dirt. And go to Talladega <laughs> and support that, I guess. No, it, it's getting getting back to the other direction on this. You know, there there's a lot of people that are that are doing cars and coffee right now. There's a lot of people that are doing cruise nights. There's a lot of people that are that are just finding ways for everybody to get together. Right. And, and that's a lot of what this comes down to is you, you sit down, you know, when, when I go back home, I sit down with the friends that I've had for 20 years. And for 20 years, I, I've, we've, we've rode motorcycles together. I've, I've watched these guys do burnouts until the tires pop. I, I've, we've done the four-wheel drive thing. The, there, were, there were phases that we all went through. <laughs> And I said on the on the, the the last podcast that they were all idiots, and I stand by that <laughs> because there there are certain side effects that come with like minded individuals hanging out with each other, and you know sometimes that involves taking the the barrel part off of a wheelbarrow, dropping a Mazda RX seven seat in it, and dragging it around on a snow covered parking lot, almost killing your friend. Sounds like a Tuesday night. It it was fun. <laughs> But looking back on it, maybe not the, the wisest decision we ever made. Yeah, if you don't have people to support it, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> but but we we all 
we all had fun. We all hung out with each other. We all worked on car stuff together. And that's a lot of what kept all of us into this is the fact that we could we could show up on any given night at the shop. Hang out, talk about cars, work on cars. Every everybody had the their own not specialty. I don't know how to put it. Everybody everybody had their own area of interest. You know, I I, I enjoyed working on suspension. There's and it didn't matter if it was lifted or lowered or or what. I just I, I've had I think five Jeeps. I, we don't even need to get into car count because <laughs> no, I'm I'm horrible. We're gonna move on past that. We're gonna <laughs> just skate over it. It's way past double digits. I don't want to do engine counts either because my wife's gonna have something to say about that. See, I, I I'm I'm gonna go ahead and step out there and say it. I, I can't build an engine. Well, and that's the thing that you're talking about is the areas of maybe not even expertise, but the areas that we find enjoyable. I love the engine building part of building a car. I could care less about suspension, geometry, and all that stuff. But when we want to talk about cam profiles, when we want to talk about bore and stroke and and rocker arm geometry and 1.5 versus 1.6 to 1, you know, and lift and advertise duration and duration of 500,000, some whatever you want to talk about, that's me at home. And Fro, See, could, and Fro could care less. And, and you lost me when you started speaking. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, like, there was one day I was out here in the garage. We're recording in my garage today. And I was moving some stuff. And I was like, huh, when did I get a third engine? <laughs> oh, I was like, what was that? Nothing. And I covered it back up. <laughs> <laughs> and you have to do what you have to do in that situation. But building engines is my favorite part of it. Researching which cam is going to work which with which manifold what what CFM carburetor you need, you know, what your actual um, what your actual air intake need is because of, you know, all of the volumetric differences. That's where I'm at home. Fro can set up a suspension flawlessly, I don't which know is about great. <laughs> I'm not I'm not I just enjoy working on it. Yeah, but he I enjoys mean, working on it. He actually understands the theory behind it and I don't. And it is what it is. That's the thing is there are like-minded individuals as far as we all like cars, but we all three that are sitting here around the microphones have completely different interests. Fro's also the friend you don't tell him you want to shorten something and leave him with a grinder and wander off. Because <laughs> you'll come back and he'd have done the math. And it is shortened and it is done. I'm not even, we'll, we'll get into that at another time. That, that's another podcast. <laughs> that's another podcast. If you leave me with a grinder, problems may occur. Problems will occur because he thinks he's a fabricator. He's no, like, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think I'm a fabricator by any means. But at the same time, I'll try. <laughs> I'll give it a shot. Have, have grinder, a we'll, shot. we'll cut something. <laughs> I'll take a look at it. I'm just saying. So... We're getting a little bit towards the end of this. Um, I know I have a couple announcements. I'm pretty sure Larry has a big one. Hey, don't call me that. I'm sorry. His, I'm sorry. That's not he his government a, name. He has an announcement that he is willing to give on air. Let's yes. say he doesn't have a big one. 
I feel like it's a big one. It's it's okay. So you want to go first, or you want me to go first? I'll let you go first. I'll let you go first. It's actually pretty monumental. So so getting back to uh, uh, magazines, and this I, I swear I'm going somewhere. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> so getting back to magazines, I, I am I was at one time the world's worst. I collected magazines. I had tons of them. I wound up handing them off to a friend because my my wife was done using that area of the house to store magazines so i hand them off to a friend in reading magazines you you learn some tech tips you you you'll learn little things that people have done along the way to kind of simplify the job that you're doing and <laughs> i read an article about how to make an hei module work on a ford distributor so I decided to to build the system, to, to put together the system the way they had it in the magazine. And granted, you can go on Google, you can look up the same thing, but it, it's one of those things where you just trip over a good article while you're reading through magazines, and that, that's why I enjoyed that. But I decided to put together the, the HEI ignition system for the Ford, and, and it's all drawn out, it's pretty simple, but at the same time, it's something that, that could easily be screwed up. And I'm one of those guys who could easily screw it up. And I decided to, to hide all of this in a DuraSpark box that came on the mid-80s Mustangs. Right. So that it still looks at least Ford. Yeah. So I wire up the whole ignition system. I... I Decided this week to go ahead and test the starter. Make sure that the starter I got is the correct starter. Make sure it's not making any crazy noises. Make sure my flywheel is not all chewed up from something else. So I wire everything up. I get everything set up. Touch the wire to the battery. Sure enough, it cranks over. I'm I'm pumped. Absolutely pumped. How many years has it been? It, how many years has it been since I've heard this car run? Exactly. The tag on the back bumper says 92. So that would have had to have been the last year. And the inspection sticker that's still on the front windshield says 92. Because in Oklahoma, you still had to have that in 92. Right. And I was a year old at that time. So I was six. It has to have been 92 or 93 the last time I heard the car run. And that's when Grandpa took over and he started tinkering with it and Grandpa basically went through and he loosened every bolt on the car and then tightened them all back up again. <laughs> and then he went through and loosened them again and tightened them back up again. But and now it's rebuilt. But the, the car, the car has had a broken leaf spring in that time. Uh, frame rail was rotted out. Uh, anybody who's got a '60s Ford knows that the the battery leaks on whatever side it's on and it just eats up metal. So I've gone through, I've replaced all of those parts. I've built a new trunk floor because it was rotted out. Um, so getting, getting back to the point, I apologize, this announcement is taking forever. Getting back to the point, I, so I test the starter, the starter's working fine. My wife steps out in the garage. My wife says, uh, what, what would it take to make it start? I'd have to run power to this ignition system that I've homebrewed together. Hope that it's in time. Pretty sure I got everything right. 
uh, pour some gas down it and it, it should fire up. So I, I pour some gas down the carburetor. I run power to the ignition. I'm not getting spark. Yeah. Figure out it's a ground issue. I run a ground over. Now I have spark. Put everything back together, crank it over two times. It blows a fireball out the back of the car. I adjust the distributor. It blows a fireball through the carburetor. Okay, I'm out of time. So I go back and recheck everything. After I re-stab the distributor, after I run a new ground, after I get everything the way that I want it, and it's not even set up right now. It's, it's just temporary. My wife steps out in the garage. She turns on her phone. She starts recording. I hit the starter, cranks over about three times, and it runs for about four seconds. Of glory. <laughs> and I, we, we talked about this last time. We talked about the emotional attachment you have to your car. And, and I know I discussed this earlier with you today. And it, it's, it's one of those things that once you put that level of work into something, and, and it's a car that already means something to you, and, and you've, you've watched it set and watched it set, and then all of a sudden, one day it, it breathes fire again. Right. I, <laughs> I'm, I'm actually really pumped to get back in here and, and start getting my, my fuel system laid out and start getting the wiring right. But the point of the story is the car started. My, my homebrewed ignition, my... <laughs> MacGyver my would be proud of what he put together. My distributor being uh, 180 degrees out. Uh, you know, the, the things like that is what, what you have to kind of fight through in order to do this, you, you have to be able to commit yourself and you also have to know when to walk away. You know, there, there's, there were a couple moments when I, I had to kind of step back and step outside the, the garage and, and weed eat for a second yeah. <laughs> just, just to get my head off what's going on. And there's, there's to get the car to start and to get the car to run for that short amount of time was something that actually actually hit me emotionally you know it's grandpa's old car it's my mom and dad bought this car in 89 and mom drove it until 92 and then uh, as soon as she was done driving it she handed it off to grandpa grandpa used it as as his tinker car he would go out in the in, in the yard and work on this car there were certain problems that came from it sitting for 20 years in a backyard but these are the things that 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 you work through and these these are the things that keep you into this hobby into it and that's the thing we talked about earlier whenever you shared that story with me and um we we talked about my truck and what it means and the the crazy thing is that we've all three got vehicles that matter to us emotionally and historically we have family histories with these with these vehicles things that matter to us about them 
And and we've all heard them run. Matt had his v, his uh, vehicle that had the slant six in it, the, the duster. And he got to drive it to work for several months. And, and I got to drive my uh, 69 Dodge truck for a little over a month before it blew up. And, and you've got the Fairlane running. And it's it's a huge deal. And, there, and there's nothing that compares emotionally to the first time that you get a vehicle that matters to you running on its own power especially when it's something that you've worked on when it's something that you've labored over and loved and something that you've you've given your 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 being to i guess your your time just hours and hours and months and years and years of time that you could have that you could have been doing anything else but you weren't because that car mattered um matt stepped away for a moment we were talking about him getting his car running i I drove my truck for a month yeah you got to drive the duster for for a bit i drove the the duster with the, a slant six in it. With a slant six, the duster like a was. Tracker and it had pizza cutter tires. The duster was a very long haul play for me. Um, I first got around the car when I was like 15, 16 years old and immediately fell in love with it. It just wasn't in the cards. Um, also, for everybody that's been listening, Chris has switched to bottles for our headphone listening audience. So now you just get a friendly. Um, but anyway, the duster. The Duster has been was my dream car. Like for me, there's not another car that ranks as high as the Duster. Um, I do have dream engines. So like, my dream engine was in the Chrysler Valiant Charger that was in the Australian market because the Aussies get all the cool stuff. It had a Hemi Six in it, and then you could deck it out with some Webers and whatnot, and it ended up making about 300 horsepower out of a six-cylinder, a straight six. In the seventies, which is awesome. Or you could buy buy a V eight that makes way more than that stateside. I'm gonna tell you right now, it's impressive they pulled that off. So whatever. Um, but anyway, what I'm saying is is uh, the fact that I got to get my dream car, and I'm currently setting it up how exactly how I dreamed of setting it up when I found out I was gonna be able to get the car again. Um, my announcement for the evening is my wife wants the seat RC10 to be an automatic, so it's a little bit familiar for her to drive. So I'm going to be pulling the TKO 605 speed that I put in it out, and it's going behind the Hemi and the Duster. So now we got a little bit more floor work to do to make that shifter and everything work, but we're already cutting it up to put patches in. And my announcement is I'm going to try to get Matt out of the 902 or 904 or whatever that he was going to put in the Duster to possibly put in the 50 that's going to hopefully have a 318 in it. <laughs> Hey, that would work, man. Uh, hundred bucks. Boom, done. That's all I paid for it. Mic drop. You don't have to do any floor work on that. No, because there's, there's no floor. Because <laughs> there's no. The fifties actually incredibly straight. I haven't talked about it yet. I was, I, I got the car. I was going to build it for my son. As I said before, he doesn't care about cars. My wife has a bit of respect. So I'm going to hopefully put a 318 in it with a tiny amount of power. And she's just like yours. She wants an automatic rather than a standard for whatever reason. We'll throw it in there and um, hopefully have disc brakes and power steering and all the creature comforts because they don't understand 
what it's like to drive manual steering with disc brake or with drum brakes on the front. Now I will go above and beyond there, and Fro and Maddox here can back me up. I am very spoiled for a car guy. Absolutely. My uh, I'm fortunate. My wife grew up in a household where her mom's mom car was a two door '63 Impala that she hauled my wife and her sisters around in, and her dad drove the '63 C10 that we have sitting in our driveway. My mom's mom car was a 1995 Geo Metro, four-door, five-speed. It's a little bit different. My mom's mom car was the 98 Ford Contour I got. <laughs> so, I mean, we full, clearly, we are not the same. Full circle. My, my mom's mom car is sitting in my garage. <laughs> right. Now, that being said, I have a really great story about a four-door Geo Metro. We will have to cover that as well. I do, too. I do, too. I can't wait until we compare Metro stories. <laughs> so so next time, as the Metro churns, um, we will cover their Metro comparison stories. Um, but, I mean, you just, like, I'm trying to find a way to put this into words. You, you get very blessed when you find a spouse that lets you do this hobby. I am three years into an engine swap on that C10, and it's still not right. And I'm not going to cover the price tag that's attached to it due to everything I've done. But, I mean, my wife has been supportive the entire time. Her only request is now she gets the truck back because I got my dream car of the Duster, which I'm fine with. That works out great. I'll slap an automatic in it, put her one of those shifters in there that looks like a stick shift because she was driving that truck with a four-speed when we started dating. That was the car she was driving when we started dating. It was a 63 C10. I knew I was home. <laughs> My, I won't cover the engines that I have owned for my uh, for my truck because it sounds like a LeBron James decision. Not one, not two, not three, not four, dot, dot, dot. See, and, and Stephanie's already said that when, when the fair lane's done, she wants something fast. <laughs> I can dig it. The good thing is... The Fairlane won't be fast. No, the the good thing is she's never owned a car that was fast. So anything's a step up. So the bar so is super her, low. So you can give her a V8 Thunderbird from 1993 and call I, it good. I'm thinking a convertible Volkswagen Beetle. Yeah. <laughs> like they seem really fast because you're, you're close to the ground and the top's down. <laughs> what we call that is the old switcheroo. <laughs> and it still gets good gas mileage for when we decide to take it on trips. Hey, yeah, if you get good. the right one, it'll be a diesel, and you could roll coal in a Volkswagen Beetle convertible. I, I don't know. I don't. I don't think I ever want a diesel. Like I, I, I understand what you said earlier, and, and we're probably going to need to wrap up on this because I'm going to make people angry. Uh, if it doesn't I, have spark plugs, I'm not interested. I, I'm just, I'm just not a, a roll coal kind of kind of guy. That, that I'm not either. That happens don't to fall wrong. on a certain group of people, and and I don't fall into that certain group of people. I'm, the funny thing is, the certain group of people that he's talking about are the certain group of people that live where he lives currently. Easy, easy. <laughs> Let's not give it away. This is the same group of people that forget there's another half of their lift kit. Hey, no. <laughs> just because. Just because you have a diesel doesn't mean that you have one of those trucks. But I, I, I did go back to my hometown and I saw a couple of trucks that that had the, the half a lift kit and and it was wow. on the front, not on the back. If wow, anybody listening disgusting. does that to their trucks, could you please like message me 
or email me at bigblocksgarage at yahoo.com so that I can try to get into your mind space of how you think that looks good. I'd like to know as well. Like, we'll, we'll discuss on the podcast. We might even let you call in and discuss live on air. <laughs> live on air. You could be the next guest. Or <laughs> the first guest. But on that note, on that note, don't make fun of other people's hobbies. It's just rude and mean. And oh, I'm pro said, loving stop, everybody's stop build. Stop driving diesels. Stop driving diesels. <laughs> just stop rolling coal. Just bro. stop rolling coal. We know what you're doing. You know what rolling coal is anyway? It's raw, unburned diesel flowing out the tailpipe. It's, it's not power. It's money. It's, not it's cool. money rolling out the tailpipe. It's $2.70 a gallon <laughs> rolling right out your pipe. Hey, it's $1.89 now. Thanks, Corona. Fair enough. Sorry. I was given the Obama prices. Wow. Really? We're going politics? Nope, nope. On that note, nope. Ladies and gentlemen, have a good night because I'm not doing politics. I'll see you later. So anyway, before Fro tries to run out of the garage. Um, so recap. Chris is going to get cranked on his 50, which is exciting. Eventually. And now we're going to make it happen. Um, Fro's Fairlane fired for the first time in... 28 years, I think, if I'm doing my math right. You're right. Your math is right. And then I'm TKO five-speed swapping my duster with a Hemi. And I just bought an automatic transmission for 100 bucks. It's all win. Yes, 28 years. That'd be correct. <laughs> I know that because I'm 29. It took me that long to put the math together. <laughs> he had to carry the one like four times before he realized he carried too many. I didn't do that common core stuff. Common core math. If there's any teachers listening, please email me about Common Core Math, as I have a one-year-old that won't be doing it. Or email me, because I have a nine-year-old, and I don't understand. (laughs) We need help. Um, Guys, I just want to say, huge outpouring of support from the first episode. Um, We we came into this second episode a lot more relaxed, because we got such positive feedback and good feedback, and everybody just seemed to really like it. And some of us didn't expect to be here. Yeah, Fro, Fro didn't think we were going to do another episode. He thought he thought we were just done. I'm, I'm the old guy, so I assumed that the podcast thing is a fad. And, and it turns out there are people who want to hear us ramble on about nothing for an hour. It is what it is. but And, and this is what I told Fro whenever we recorded this the first time. There are several people who host internet-based uh, automotive shows that do not understand why people follow them. And those certain people are still very famous. And, it's true. And and they are still doing crazy, ridiculous stuff. And people are still following them because why wouldn't you? Because it's your passion and you just move along with it. I've, I've received as, as much positive feedback as these two guys have from the people that I've talked to. And uh, if you have negative feedback, that's great too because... There's no way that we're going to continue to understand what we could do better if we don't have that. If you have positive feedback, that'd be great because, you know, we all like to think that we're better than we are. The JDM guys are pissed. I don't care about the JDM <laughs> guys. I did see a cool Civic that was right-hand drive. I just told you not to make fun of other people's homes. I'm not making fun of it. I saw a cool Civic that was right-hand drive. It was a manual five-speed car. It was like a 92... Uh, CRX, I think, was the build. Okay. Um, that was going to be for sale on Facebook right before I came over here. And it was JDM. It wasn't stanced, which is my problem because, like Fro said, it's dangerous. 
I'm cool with the JDM stuff. I'm not cool with the stance stuff. That's that's the problem. Is the stance stuff? We purely JDM have just a problem cool. with geometry issues. It, yeah, it's it's ridiculous whenever you're gonna like kill somebody because you're driving down the road. When it's a JDM build and it's a cool import, I'm down. There's a couple R34s oh, man. Uh, in Northwest Arkansas where we're at that are unbelievably cool cars. Right-hand drive, six-speed cars, unbelievable. There's a silver one, there's a red one. Those cars are amazing to me because they're different. You can't, you don't find them everywhere. Um, I they're just cool. I can't stress enough how diverse the car scene is in Northwest yeah. Arkansas. Yeah. I, I cannot stress it enough. Like This is the only place in, in, in that I've ever been that you can see a Lamborghini at a stoplight and right behind it an 82 Ford F100. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. I mean, you get a little bit of everything in this area. It's so diverse. I mean, like, I went to a charity event uh, a couple of years ago with the Duster, and it was the only one, only old car there. Everything else was new muscle. And, I mean... I'm not saying it was disrespected there. It just wasn't. It wasn't that car's scene. But I still went because I love doing charity stuff. But I mean, there's people leaning across the hood just so that car wouldn't be in their photos of the line of cars. Which is understandable. It's. I mean, guys, it's not. It's not a great car. I mean, I love it, but it is rough. <laughs> it did sit out in the woods for 11 years before I got it. And I think that's probably a wrap. I think we're done. Thank you, everybody. Once again, we appreciate you guys listening. Give us feedback in the comments. Uh, doesn't matter how you're listening. If you have our emails or our text messages, Matt's mentioned his email a couple times. Send it over. We'll figure it out. We'll move forward. We have comments? I don't even know what that means. Okay. Thank wow. God. I thought it was just me. Okay. Well, I'll be definitely mediating this thing again. All right, guys. Y'all have a good night. Thank you.